Praise God. So here we are. We're in our uh, eighth week. We're kind of landing this series, but I did want to take a a real brief time to uh, say some uh, thank you and appreciation. One to our dream team who comes each week, comes Sunday mornings, preps for you, and those are on who are online. They clean, they decorate. So I want you to put your hands together and thank all of our dream team who faithfully serves loves, gives of their time and talents. Thank you. And I also want to say a big thank you to our pastoral teaching team. How many of you have been blessed? They've been doing an awesome job. Let's give it up for them, express our appreciation. Pastor Ben, Pastor Darren, Pastor Ian, I am grateful as the uh, lead pastor to have such a great team that uh, we're in this together. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard one person say, it's like, you know, you haven't been preaching in a while. It's like, if, if you don't come back and preach, we're leaving. I says, you know what? If someone else who's up here preaching, I want you to give them the same love, attention, because if you hear them speak, it's as if I'm speaking, right? Because we're one as a team. And I so appreciate our team as they get up and they study. And we all work together behind the scenes. So I just want to say a big thank you to our uh, pastoral preaching team. Uh, if you haven't downloaded our app yet, definitely download that. Uh, you can click Next Steps if you want to serve or to click on the sermon notes to uh, follow along for this message. So here we are in our eighth and final week in our Sovereign, a study through the book of Daniel. And uh, I'll be this week kind of um, recapping our eight weeks and then landing this plane and kind of giving you some quick takeaways. So I want to recap really quick to kind of bring us up to this point because how many of you, I, I, I knew what it was like growing up at church. How many of you even forget what was preached last week, right? Let's be honest. How many of you forget sometimes last week? How many of you uh, forget maybe two weeks ago, right? Three. Seven weeks, forget it. None of us probably remember. So I'm going to quickly recap before we land this plane on week eight. We start off our first, uh, uh, in our series on the first week on don't cave in a culture of compromise. Don't cave in a culture of compromise. Surrender to his sovereignty. Know your identity. Discern the opportunity. The second chapter, we talked on the unseen hand of God. And I'm recapping this, and I want you to say, man, this book has been so awesome. It's been powerful. And there's been, even though it's been written thousands of years ago, 2,500 years ago, and written in, at that time, it still has great application to us today. The unseen hand of God is at work, the second chapter. We talked about how the future is unknown to us, but is well known to God. And God makes the future known to us through him. The third week, we talked about the third chapter, the fourth man. Pastor Darren preached on that. And the fourth man was all about Jesus, right, in the midst of the fire. Who was he? That he can, he will, but even if he doesn't, he can rescue us. He can deliver us. He will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to serve him and love him in spite of everything. The fourth week, Pastor Ben preached on the insanity of self. The insanity of self. How many of you have ever been tripped up over yourself before? Right? Been said, like, I'm going to do it my way. And how many of you, after a while doing it your way, it's kind of like, yeah, maybe my way isn't the best way. The insanity of self. Pastor Ben preached on that, that sometimes we think we're in charge, but that's insane. Uh, we got to come under God's sovereign hand. We need to surrender and acknowledge that God is over all. The fifth week was on judgment day is coming on chapter 5. 
Don't get caught up in the meaningless pursuit of power, possessions, and pleasure. Don't get caught up in those things and, and be focused on God. Chapter 6, Pastor um, Ian preached on that, that Daniel had a strong relationship with God. A strong relationship with God. He was secured by God's favor, preserved by his faithfulness, and centered on his centered on devotion. Last week, Pastor Darren preached on the kingdom of God. Wasn't that a great message? I just so love that. The kingdom of God, it's everlasting, will never be destroyed, and Christ is exalted. And ultimately, though, our citizenship is not of this world. It's in heaven. We're citizens of the most high God. Amen? Title of my message today is, How Will You Finish the Race? How will you finish the race? We're going to look at Daniel's life. We're in chapters 10 through 12, and we're going to be briefly touching on really Daniel's final vision that God gives him there. And Daniel, we see his life. He ended his race well. He starts off in Babylon as a young teenager, maybe 14, 15 years old, is faithful right through over 70 years serving faithfully, and he finishes his race well, Israel at the time is captive under in Babylon, but now they're being released to go back to Jerusalem. The walls are being rebuilt, right? The temple is being rebuilt. We heard Lisha um, uh, talk and uh, share on Jeremiah and read from there. And Jeremiah is speaking, says, if you don't turn, if you choose to not be on the potter's wheel, I'm going to release you and turn you over to your captives and go to Babylon. So this prophecy now they're in Babylon 70 years, and now they're returning back home. They're coming back home, and this is about the third year into them being home. They're in about their third year now. The exiles return from Babylon. They're rebuilding the temple, but I thought this was interesting that Daniel doesn't return with them. I would think Daniel would have been waiting for this day, and he would return back with them. But actually, he decides that he's staying there. And I don't know if it's because he's about 85 years old, and maybe he's older in his years and can't make the long journey back. Or maybe his assignment isn't done yet in Babylon. So he's staying there. In fact, one commentary says that he served under many more leaders after him right up to the time of even Esther. I mean, remember the book of Esther, the small little book, right? And she's there for such a time as this. And they said that Daniel serves almost right up to that time. He starts his race well, but he finishes his race well. God, we see God's sovereignty at work all throughout this book and in this final closing chapters, 10 through 12. I want to draw out three things that will help us to thrive and not just survive in life. How many of you feel like even throughout this COVID-19, it's just like we just getting by, right? Like we don't even know what's happening tomorrow or even today. We're just existing, right? Like, and my hope and heart is to draw some principles that Daniel was in a context where things were consistently changing under hardship, yet we see Daniel thriving in that culture. And I think it's true even for us today that we can thrive. The first thing we need to know is that God has answers. How many of you are grateful that God has the answers? Amen. He's got the answers. All through the book of Daniel, we see when kings, rulers, and the wisest people of the world at the time did not have the answers, God had the answers. 
We see even in our world today, the brightest of minds, they're working on all kinds of uh, vaccines and all different things, and it feels like we don't have the answers just yet, and everybody's on hold, but I'm telling you, God has the answers. He knows what's best. Chapter 2, we see God has answers for the interpretation of the dream about the statue. Chapter 4, God had answers about the interpretation about the tree. Chapter 5, the writing on the wall. Nobody else had answers for the writing that was on the wall there. So what happens, it's um, the king's mom, right, reminds the son, hey, there's this wise, godly man, Daniel, because God had answers. Chapter 6, God answers not just verbally, but also physically, right? And we heard that with Pastor Ian's message that God rescues Daniel out of that lion's den because even when the world doesn't have the answers and is trying to turn their backs on us and on God, God will rescue and deliver you and I each and every time. Chapter 7 through 9, God had answers not just about this present kingdom, but also his eternal kingdom. I want to read... Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. Daniel 10, 1 to 3. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and of great hardship. When this vision had came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat, no wine crossed my lips. I used no fragrance lotion, and, uh, and in those three weeks had passed. Uh, he wasn't using any, I guess they didn't have bath and body works back then. But uh, if they had, I'm sure maybe Daniel would be using bath and body. But he says, no fragrant lotions at the time. None of that stuff. (laughs) This revelation of this vision given to Daniel on this occasion shatters any hope that the prophet was thinking that Israel would enjoy their freedom of peace for long. In other words, their three years, they've returned back to Jerusalem. Daniel is still in Babylon. He has this vision three years into their return, and he's seeing these visions of the future to come, and he's seeing war, and he's seeing kingdoms rise up and things taking place, and what uh, everyone thinks, this is peace. We're in peacetime. We're rebuilding the walls and the temple. He's saying, no, like there's more war to come. And really, chapter 10 through 12 is this unpacking of this vision. And if you were to actually follow along with it and go to the, we don't have time to, you could take this and unpack this in another four, six weeks. In the next 500 years from Daniel's prophecy, this prophetic vision that he's getting, God literally will begin to lay out the next hundreds of years, over 500 years, all in the chapters of Daniel's 10 through 12. And God Uh, will be speaking through Daniel prophetically over 550 years right up to the time of Christ. This is why the book of Daniel is so such a key cornerstone book in the Old Testament. We see that Pastor uh, Darren preached on it last week on chapter 7. Chapter 7 is like a pinnacle in the Old Testament. And here we see chapters 10 through 12 is laying out historically what we know has already come to pass in many of these these things. 
why am I saying these things? Why am I giving you historical background? I'm saying these things because God has the answers. God prophetically has been speaking hundreds of years, and with the exactness and specificity, he has answered each and every one of those prophetical words. God had answers back then, but God also has answers for us today. With the world around us facing great uncertainty, the people of God should be prepared to give an answer from God and our faith. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it, here's the caveat, but do it with gentleness and respect. This is the one key verse that most apologists will use, that they'll take their, um, uh, the apologia, this Greek word where we make a defense for our faith. It comes really from this text in Peter here, but as Christians, if you name the name of Christ, we should have answers. We should have answers. Daniel, what distincted him from the rest of every single one in that time and day was he had answers from God. It's the only thing that set him apart. He had answers. We should be prepared to give an answer for the hope within us. We have answers, and the answer, his name is still Jesus. It's so simple. If you name the name of Christ, he's still the hope of the world. His name is still greater than any sickness you and I can face. His name is still bigger than any virus that's uh, ravaging this world and causing fear and, and chaos. He's bigger than COVID-19. His answer, his name is still Jesus. There was answers back then, and we still have answers today, and his name is still Jesus. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. His name is greater than any election that's about to take place. That we can put our trust, our faith, our hope in him, not in any politician or any political party. He's the one who sits on the throne. He puts people in power and he removes them. He's the one. We see this consistently over and over all through the book of Daniel. He puts people in power and he's like, yep, your time's up. Time to go. He puts people in power, wicked and the righteous. To accomplish his plan. I hope we put more faith and trust in God than we do in any political system. Whether, no matter who's in the White House, Republican, Democrat, uh, liberal, it doesn't matter. Independent, at the end of the day, God is in control and he's sovereign over all. We can trust him. We can trust him. Yes, get out there and vote if you haven't voted yet. Get that in. But no, when November 3rd comes, one thing hasn't changed. He's still on the throne. And it doesn't matter who's on in the White House. That doesn't dictate our future. It's who's on the throne. God has always been on the throne for thousands of years, and it's never changed. He has answers back then, and he still has answers today. We should be not being so caught up with this present world, but be pointing people to the king right now. He's coming soon. 
The day is short. The time is short. We should be sharing the gospel of the good news of what he's done for us. In truth, when you look at that passage of Scripture in Peter, there's no place for harshness or disrespect in a Christian's life. Especially as we are representatives of Christ. Represent, or like Michael Todd says this, we represent. We're representing. Christ has been done a work in our heart, and now we're representing Christ to the world. That there should be no harshness or disrespect. Peter exhorts the believers to answer unbelievers gently, respectfully, with the example of your life. Believers should reflect Christ's teaching with gentleness and speak the truth in love. How many of you see in our climate today how nasty and ugly it gets? What happened to that? We can't even have a, a discussion and disagreement that we get downright disrespectful that we stop seeing people as human beings as they're all children of God. Whether we agree with them or not, God still wants to rescue them, redeem them, bring them back to his side. They're in darkness. They're not in light. Their eyes are blinded, but we need to treat them with gentleness and respect because they're children of God that God wants to draw them to his side. So we do it with gentleness, with respect, we speak, yes, with truth and love, but yet at times even with authority. Because our authority is not of this world. Be prepared to give an answer. How did Daniel have the answers back then? He was spending three weeks in fasting and in prayer seeking God. Daniel understood spiritual warfare. He's in a culture, not compromising, but Daniel perfectly understood that we battle not against flesh and blood. He didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have Ephesians like you and I have where we're reading. But he understood that his battle wasn't flesh and blood. He knew that his battle wasn't King Nebuchadnezzar who was sitting on the throne. He says, that's not my battle. I'm not battling flesh and blood. I'm serving the King Almighty. I answered to him. He understood where he was taking his orders from. Not just Daniel was in spiritual warfare. We're in spiritual warfare. Do you know that we're in spiritual warfare today? Daniel was fasting and praying for three weeks, seeking God. How did Daniel get the answers? How is he hearing, seeking God? It's because he's leaning into the heart of God. I want you to know that you can have answers today, but it sometimes takes a battle. It's that spiritual warfare of leaning in, right? Prayer. If we won't, we won't battle against flesh and blood, right? It's, this isn't how we battle is with our fists and we're fighting in, in Hawaii, just scrap, right? Hey, hey, hold my purse. Hold my purse. Hold my purse. <laughs> I don't have a purse. I'm talking about, yeah, you know, <laughs> right? And it's, we think it's, it's battling with our hands, but man, Daniel understood to find answers from God, there's a spiritual battle. And he's fasting. Why are we continuing to fast and pray as a church? It's because we understand as a staff and team, we're not battling flesh and blood. We think we're battling things here on this world as flesh and blood. We're battling principalities, rulers of darkness in high places. So why do we continue to fast? We pick one day a week where we choose to fast. We sign up on the app, and, and we seek God. We turn from our wicked ways. We're turning to him, worshiping him, because we're in a battle, and we're in a fight. 
How many of you uh, have ever in your life needed answers from God, right? Needed answers. Maybe you need, need answers physically, you need a healing. Maybe you need answers financially, you lost your job and you're behind your bills. Maybe you need an answer in your relationship and you need reconciliation and restoration. You need answers from God. I want to tell you that there is answers in God. And if you will lean into his heart and there's a spiritual battle and we're battling not against flesh and blood, but if you'll lean into him, God has answers for you. He wants to touch your life. He wants to heal you if you will but trust him. How do we finish this race well? God has the answers. But also, number two, God's way is best. God's way is best. Daniel, I'm sure, had his own plans of what he wanted to do when he grew up. How many of you, in your younger years, you knew uh, you wanted to um, do something with your life in your younger years, right? How many of you had a dream, a plan? What was your dream? Can, can I hear from you? What was your dream? What did you want to be? What was your goal, your ambition in life? You could be anything as a child growing up. What was it? Let me hear from you. A teacher, a therapist. What else? An astronaut. Not just taking up space, but going to space. We've got a lot of astronauts here on Earth taking up space. Anyway, all right. Moving on, okay. Any, who, what else were, were things that you wanted to do or be? Dream. What was the dream? A what? A dolphin trainer. Yes. I'm sure Daniel had some kind of dream for his life. And maybe his dream, I'm sure in his younger years, wasn't like, man, my dream, I want to go to Babylon. And I want to work under the most wicked kings you could ever imagine. And I want to be in the, these palaces where they're giving themselves into great sinful acts and adulterous acts and all these different things, and they're being drunks. That's my dream. How many of you know that God's way is better than our way? And we may have a dream for our life and a plan for our life, but we got to surrender to God's plan, and his way is best. I had a dream for my life. I had a plan. In my younger years, from age 12, we started in construction with my brother-in-law. We were building houses, and my dream was that I'm going to become a general contractor. I was going to get my license by the time I was 18, and I got it by 21. And by 30, I was going to be a successful contractor who built multiple homes and already started subdivisions. And I had this dream. That was my plan that I thought. But I mean, you know, God's plan is better. And God came knocking on my door at age 28 says, How's that dream working out for you? I'm like, Lord, I got my contractor's license. We're working on it. He said, how about you let go of that dream and say yes to my plan because I got a plan that's far better for your life. How about instead of building your kingdom, you come and build my kingdom. God's plan is far better than you could ever dream or imagine. His way is best. Daniel chose God's way over his way, and he stays faithful over 70 years there. If God's way is best, are we escaping the world around us, or are we engaging the world around us? If God's way is best, are you escaping the world around you, or are you engaging the world around you? What do, what do I mean? Daniel never ran and hid from the world around him. 
He never hid from the world around him. He wasn't hiding out in his room. He was being the light of God there. He never locked himself up. He never isolated himself from the world. He stood right in the middle of that wicked culture and was bringing transformation because he followed God's way. He knew how to stand and not collapse under a compromising culture. He stood up for what God called him to do. Do you know that you have a calling on your life? I'm talking to you today and you online. God has a call on your life. Just like Daniel has a call on your life, his life, you have a call on your life. And God's way is best. Would you but surrender your life to him? He wants to use you. I... This was not my dream, pastoring, okay? I just let you know. That's not my childhood dream, okay? But when I surrendered to him, this is the best dream I could ever have. Why? Because I'm walking right in step with what he has for me, and his ways are better than my ways. Jesus calls us to be salt. Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if salt lots its flavor? Can you make salt salty again? It'd be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. How many of you have had the same bottle of salt in your pantry for like the last 20 years? Right? <laughs> or unless you're making like Kahlua pig and you're buying Hawaiian salt all the time. It's a little different. But if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? Throw that bugger out. That thing is like 97 cents. Right? Salt is cheap. Throw it out. This is interesting fact, and I need to kind of wrap when God's ways are best. If you understand the properties of salt and why Jesus calls us to be salt. See, Daniel was salt in that culture. What was the first thing that, that salt did? It was a preserving agent, right? They would preserve salt in the mountains. They would pack the salt all on the meat so that the meat wouldn't rot. Daniel was a preserving agent in the Babylonian culture that the world around him was rotting, but because he was there being salt, being a preserving agent, it stopped the world around him from further rotting. That's what God's called you and I to do. Be a preserving. Your family, your marriage, your children, your job, you should be a preserving agent stopping the decay and rotting around you. What else was salt used for? For flavor. There should be a flavor about our lives. There was something so uniquely uh, uh, flavorful about Daniel that after the whole kingdom, no one else had the answers, they sought him out. How many of you have ever had a good meal and you drove no matter how long to get that flavor and that taste again? How many of you? Come on now. Oh, hallelujah. We went to this place, a free advertisement um, for this place called Fish and the Hog in Waimea. I've been craving barbecue for like weeks. Actually, it was the last two months, and we've been trying all different barbecues. I'm not going to give a review on other people's barbecue, but I will give a review on this barbecue because it left an impression on my mind the last time I had it. We would go all the way to Waimea just so I could have some brisket again. There, oh my goodness. And then with the beans and then the coleslaw, got to get it with the cornbread and then the side of mac and cheese. This is, oh lordy, you're going to want to go back. When you had that flavor in your mouth, you can't help but remember what it was like and say, man, 
I don't know what it was about that person, but I'll go back there. When you're being salt in this culture, when you're being salt with your friends and your family and in your marriage, people are saying, I don't know what it is about them, but they got a flavor to their life that I want more of it. Are you being something in your life where people say, man, I tasted your life and it's good. There was something about Jesus that said, man, they tasted him and thousands followed him. If people were to taste your life, is it good? Another element of salt was it created thirst. It made people want more of it, right? The salt licks, right? The cows, they're licking the salt, and it made people even more thirsty. How many of you, if you've ever been playing sports, right, nothing quenches your thirst like water, right? Salt creates thirst. The last one was fragrance. It was this attractive aroma. Basically, God wants you and I to be this pleasing, attractive aroma that draws people to us. Are you being salt to the world around you and I? God is sovereign over all. Therefore, he knows your beginning to your very end, and he knows what's best for you and I. You can trust him with your life. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond and anything, than anything you could ever imagine, for just as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How do we finish this race well? God has answers, his ways are best, and lastly, Daniel's aim was to please God. His whole aim and whole goal was to please God. How do we keep strong and thrive in the middle of Babylon? Daniel's aim was on pleasing God. Don't worry about what other people say about you. They were lying about Daniel but his aim wasn't on pleasing the words of man. His aim was on pleasing God. How many of you have ever been caught up in this world pleasing people around you? Come on. People, where's my people pleasers at? I got my hand up, okay? I got my hand up. People pleasers, people pleasers. If you don't have your hand up, you lying. You lying. At the end of the day, you want to please people too. Or you want to, that's why Instagram and all these things, we, we live this ultra life that we think, ah, they live such a great life, yet at home, it's a miserable wreck at home. Why do we do We put it up front. We want to portray this, this pleasing thing to other people. We want to please people. Can I say, don't get caught up with men's applause applauding you. Women's applause, your friends, yeah, good job what you're doing. Jeremiah wasn't getting any applause from anyone around him for 40 years, not one convert. But he was faithful to do what God called him to do. Daniel, 70 years, people hated him, turned their back on him, wanted to throw him in the lion's den, say all kinds of things about him, but he was faithful to do what God called him to do. Why? Because his aim was to please God. Is your aim to please God? Are you aiming your life not pleasing? Can I tell you this? Don't aim to please your spouse. Don't aim to please your kids. Don't aim to please your parents. I can tell you this. If you aim to please God, everything else you will find gets taken care of. Really simple. How do we aim to please God? I'll give you three things and we'll wrap. How do you aim to please God? Be confident and trust that God's way is best for you. Be confident and trust 
that God's way is best for you. Daniel's peers were jealous of him. I'll have the worship team come as we close. But God's favor was on his life. God's favor was on his life. Are you confident? I think, you know what, what it is, as I counsel so many people, singles and couples, I find that people have been so hurt along this journey of life that they've lost their confidence in God. Because at times when we face the difficulties in life, the pain, the hurt, the, the transition, the loss, we try to fit the blame somewhere. And at times, we may even affix that blame on God. God is because of you. I want you to know that God loves you. His plan is best for you. You can trust him. How do we aim to please God? Number two, never compromise in your faith. Never compromise. How many of you have ever been there? That was me. I've compromised in my faith before, right? How many of you? Let's be honest. Confession. Confession is good for the soul, okay? I've been there. Compromised, right? I grew up, my, my family, they would call us the, the, the horse thieves. And, and back then, uh, we were known, uh, even in our, our family, that we would be stealing horses back then. Compromising on our values, compromising on our convictions. But that can't be so if we name the name of Christ. He never compromised in his faith. While the Babylon and the walls were collapsing around Daniel, his faith was the only thing that was standing. Do you know that in the midst of COVID-19 and everything that's happening and collapsing around you and I, jobs collapsing, businesses collapsing, Walgreens and all these different places closing up, everything else can collapse around you and I, but if we will stand firm in our faith, it's the only thing that will stand because God, our faith is on Almighty God. He was determined to stand firm in his faith. He wouldn't even break the food laws. Pleasing God at times is difficult, painful, and inconvenient. How many of you have ever noticed that? Pleasing God is painful. How many of you have been through pain? Or have seen God ask you to do the thing that's very inconvenient? How many of you have been there? Inconven God, why, why are you inconveniencing me right now? I had plans for my life. I was going to be a successful contractor by now. And instead, anyway, I got living in, in a house that wasn't our dream. But you know what? God, your ways are not my ways. And I can trust you. Your plans are good. I can trust you. Third and final thing, when his aim was to please God, his allegiance was to God only. His allegiance wasn't to anybody else. I don't know if you've ever been there before where you got friends and your allegiance is to your friends and sometimes you don't even want to tell them the truth. But at times, loving God and our allegiance to God requires us from speaking the truth in love. And our allegiance is to the Almighty God. Daniel only worshipped the one true God. His allegiance wasn't to any king, ruler, dictator, or any political party. His allegiance was to Almighty God. Doesn't matter who's in any house, White House, what dictator is in charge. Daniel's seen the rise and fall of all these rulers. You want to call tyrants? These were tyrants. 
killing and wiping out people. He says, my allegiance isn't to you. My allegiance is to Almighty God. My goal is to please Him. Psalm 20, verse 7, the NIV version says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I love the NLT version. Some nations boast of their chariots, and some nations boast of their horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. It don't matter how strong America is and what great military might we have or whether we're in a recession or we're doing the, great, the greatest in our economy. That's not our focus. Our focus is on Almighty God. We can trust Him. He's the one who's in control. Some trust in chariots and horses. Some look to political leaders for their trust and faith and hope for their future. But I'm going to boast in the name of our God. He's still enough for me. He was enough for Daniel 2,500 years ago. And my God is still enough for me in 2020. You're enough, Lord. You're still enough. I don't have to fix my eyes on anything else but you, Lord. Heaven is our goal. Jesus is our prize. He is our reward. I want us all to stand. Close with my title, How Will You Finish the Race? Daniel finished well. It's not how you start the race. It's how you finish. You may have just come to know the Lord. And you have still the same opportunity and access as someone who's been serving him for 40, 60 years. It's not how you start this race. It's how you finish. Are you going to finish well like Daniel? Daniel thrived in the midst of change, transition, and chaos. Right now, in this world around us, we're in constant change, transition. And how many of you sometimes feel like it's chaos? I don't want to wear a mask. How many of you enjoy wearing a mask? It's like chaos. I, I, it's chaos. You try to go, should I shake their hand? Should I bump their hand? Should I hug? Should I not? Hey, should I wave? We don't even know, right? Chaos. There's one person I'll stay faithful to. It's you, Lord. I'm going to stay faithful to you, and I'm going to finish the race well through every change, transition, and chaos. One thing remains and it's Him. Would you keep your eyes on Him? The title of our series was Sovereignty. God's sovereign over all. He's sovereign over your life if you will let Him be in control of your life. God has answers. His way is best. Aim to please Almighty God.